This is Transmission, a bilingual digital marketing podcast presented by Alphaco Marketing and Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to Transmission, an Alphaco Marketing and Media podcast. I am so excited to be joined today by my always esteemed, always enthusiastic, always happy to be here colleague, Mr. Juan Pablo Osorio. Juan Pablo, how are you? I'm faring very well. Uh, coming in live today from Houston, Texas, out to the world. Uh, hello, guys who are listening. Uh, hope you're having an amazing day. And uh, so glad to be here with, with Graham as well. It really is awesome. We've missed a few. Um, life has been been pretty busy i think last time we were scheduled to record you were off doing something pretty cool yes yes i um you know i was in the marine corps and a lot of one of the goals was to become an officer if i stayed in as a career uh, but i had a crossroads and i ended up coming into business and that's what i chose to do as my path after the marine corps but i had one of my uh, junior marines that i talked to that i mentored become an officer, a chief warrant officer. He's made it a career. He's seen in like 15, 20 years in, and it was great to go back to the Marine Corps Museum, to the base and reconnect to the level of excellence that uh, Marine Corps leaders, that they bring, you, you come into the room and we feel the energy. So yeah, yeah, that was really good to see that, to see, what, like, he's Colombian like me, you know, so it's like a, a, the immigrant that made it to become a Marine Corps officer. Cool. That's really awesome. Big picture. We're very, very happy that you chose to go into business and, and happy to have you here at AlphaCo, but couldn't be more pleased to loan you out for a day to go back and, and, and pin that medal on his chest or pin that promotion on his chest and um, hang out with some old Marine buddies. I love the way you talk about the Marines because it, it reminds me of this kind of idea of, of a sense of urgency or this idea that you have to care about everything more than anything. Like I, I love that the Marines, they nothing is too small to care a lot about. And so I feel like you, when you go there, you can look in every corner and you're never going to see a cobweb. Like it's just, it, I feel like it's like the picture of, of people making perfect. Um, and so I love listening to you talk about that. They always say attention to detail Marine. That's right. It makes a big difference. I mean, it, it really, really does. I was thinking a lot about it and like, and we do this here as well, but you have to cross your T's. You have to dot your I's. That stuff does matter. It's, a, it's an easy saying to put it that way. But if you're not paying attention to every small detail, something's slipping through. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm so glad that we are able to reconnect today. And we don't want to miss this. We have a great episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to talk about that. And um, I think it would be a mistake to record three days, four days after the Super Bowl and not talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Um, did you watch? Yes, yes. I was able to get Paramount app last minute and watch it. It was it was good, good game. Yeah, very cool. It's been funny. You know, I wasn't um, originally I wasn't in marketing. And so for years of my life, I got to watch football for the games. And now I watch football for the commercials. Um, and like I'm, I'm really, really interested in what you know, what trends you see in modern marketing. You know, I. I'm not the first person to say this, but uh, the Timu ad was pretty embarrassing. I don't think anybody was too excited about that. That's kind of like, that just goes to show how having all the right ideas, but the wrong message can still mess you up or the wrong messenger in that instance, as I, I'm 
fairly certain that was an AI voice. But mostly the trend that I saw was that we're, you know, we're leaning on nostalgia, as we always talk about. We're leaning on the familiar. And storytelling is, again, becoming a bigger part of, of what we're doing. And then the last thing I'll say that I, I'm seeing a big trend in is this idea of advertisement as a standalone product, where I think for forever, advertisements really just supported a product you were trying to sell. But now, something that I saw a lot of at the Super Bowl was, here's a 30-second advert, go check out the full trailer at our website, or go check out the full commercial here. And it's almost like the, you know, the good ones, at least. Like the, an example I would use is the Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon commercial. They have like a five minute clip of that online. And so you go watch the original commercial and then you go watch the longer commercial. And this idea of creating, you know, a piece of marketing that's so successful and so artistic that it stands on its own and people want to go watch it on its own, I think is pretty cool. But I more than that, I'm fascinated by this idea of here's five seconds. Go see the rest somewhere else. Um, that was a really interesting change for me. What did you see, if anything? I saw my daughters really paying attention to the TV when the commercials came on, and I thought it was very interesting. I have a two and a three-year-old, and they were just hooked. The commercials were just uh, engaging them. And one of the commercials that I saw uh, that uh, captivated my attention and has to do with the uh, talk I did recently was the commercials targeted to Hispanics. And I don't know if it's because I think they're able to distribute uh, certain commercials nationally, and then some commercials are like more regional, some commercial spots. But I, I saw this one, uh, it's like a Doritos Dynamite, uh, Dinamita, and it was like the grandmas, and it was the whole Hispanic cast on the commercial, and it was funny if you had the, if you had a, a abuelita, you know, and uh, uh, you know these abuelitas were chasing this guy for the Doritos, and at, uh, and at the end, the granddaughter just grabs it from their hand. But uh, it reminded me that uh, the speech that we gave earlier at HMSDC, how Cheetos was one of the brands that saved uh, Pepsi and Frito Lay's at a time where like they were losing a lot of market share, and. Yeah, it's interesting to see 30 years later, they still double down, they still, the market is still thriving and they're making a commercial that's, that's inclusive and in the middle of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I love that. That's, you know, that's the second year in a row that, that Pepsi has done a, you know, Latino focused Super Bowl commercial. And it's been really cool as we've, you know, played a small part in that initiative. Um, we aren't making those commercials, but we are helping them out with, with Juntos Crisimos. And so it's been awesome to see that and, and see kind of the vision that, you know, we discussed back in 2019, continue to become more and more of a reality where it's not just us and our clients who are reaching out to the Spanish community. It's, it's major brands. They're running Super Bowl advertisements. That's, that's really amazing. Well, I, I did want to talk, and I think this will be kind of a nice segue into our, our topic for the day, because I, you mentioned a second ago, you know, some of the ads are local and some of them are national. You do still get some locally programmed ads. And I am a YouTube TV user. I don't know what you use for your basic cable subscription, but I use YouTube TV. Um, and what I saw, and this is something that I'm, I continue to be really interested in, was I actually saw a very large local medical group based out of Austin run a medical commercial on YouTube TV. And what's unique and what's really important about this is that this is, we're starting to see more and more the marriage of old school media, media with new school medium. 
and leveraging what that new school medium can do from a technological standpoint. So to kind of give an example, and I, I didn't work heavily in the traditional media world, but in the past, let's say you ran a, you know, you ran an ad or you ran a commercial, you were really reliant on the like the Nielsen demographic data about who watched that commercial to really understand how impactful or successful one of your campaigns had been. And yeah, you could run local commercials back then, but again, same kind of deal. You didn't have a ton of insight into what was actually happening. Now with YouTube TV, same commercial, they're able to program it locally. Frankly, they can program it even more specifically than that. You know, I I think it's probably not a coincidence that my wife's in healthcare, I work in healthcare marketing, and I'm being served a healthcare commercial on my TV, but we're seeing the marriage of the old and the new, right? Well, I'm getting the dynamita in the same time. Exactly, yes, yeah, that's exactly right. And so we're seeing people, right, like, you know, this commercial was not anything to write home about. I mean, this was like an 11.30 p.m. like infomercial style commercial, but you can still get banged for your buck and even potentially be shown during the Super Bowl because you're targeting locally. So he's not spending, you know, I'm sure it's a pretty penny, but he's not spending the $7 million for 30 seconds that most people are spending for that commercial. He's spending something, you know, significantly south of that for a local targeted commercial, but I promise you it's going to be super impactful. You know, when you're watching the Super Bowl, half the reason you watch is for the commercials. And so that's something that I'm seeing change in the industry that I know we're keeping eyes on from a product standpoint. But I really want to raise awareness to our consumers how there is increasingly more we can do digitally to brand and market you locally. I think that the internet is continuing to evolve and change. And in some ways, what's old is is new again. Let's segue to our, our big topic for the day, which is digital advertising, if you couldn't tell. So first of all, we want to introduce kind of what they are. Well, when we talk about digital advertising, what we really mean is advertisements that end up on Google, Facebook, Instagram, any of those traditional online channels where you're marketing um, could even be like a true ad on a website, though we see increasingly fewer of those. A little bit about why we, we do these. Well, they're really targeted. You can really absolutely drill down and target a key core audience online. Um, I tell people this all the all the time. The biggest benefit to marketing online is the data you're able to collect. We want to leverage this data to better reach your audience. Same thing here. That's why we're running digital ads. When you run digital ads, you get to learn so much about your consumer base, how they interact with you, how they interact with keywords. Really, 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 it's, it's hugely insightful for how to run your business because you're gathering so much data there. And then who? Honestly, anybody with the budget. I think anybody who's able to do it should absolutely run digital ads. Now that I kind of have a little bit of my precursor out of the way, I think the first thing we wanted to talk a little bit about is like what makes a digital ad unique relative to a digital ad. Well, Pablo, I didn't tell you I was gonna gonna do this, but I'm gonna throw to you like quick one second. What's the difference between a digital and a traditional ad? Like what pops top of your mind? We have 24 hours, and people used to consume some of those hours watching TV, but now we are on devices. So that fraction of time, a digital ad is what would traditionally be a commercial disrupting your experience through whatever content app you're using at the moment. Man, I love that. This is why I threw to you because that is not what I was going to say, but that is exactly right. Increasingly, we're looking for eyeballs. We're looking to find where, you know, where people are spending their time and more and more and more and more that's online, whether it's a browser, a phone or social media. It's really not sitting there watching you know, reruns of friends on TV anymore. It is 
frankly, it's probably watching like imitate online jackass imitators. <laughs> At least if you're me, I get a lot of skateboard fails. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's a great point. And kind of adding to that, um, you know, a traditional advertisement for me is anything that you would con- traditionally do before the internet. So TV, radio, billboards, basically TV, radio, and print. All right, it's visual, audio, and language, and those are really your three kind of channels. Traditionally, their effectiveness was also sorted by how expensive they were to produce. Um, publishing it was part of it, but production was as big a part of it. So a text-based ad in your yellow pages was pretty easy to come up with, write, and then publish. And so those were were pretty cheap, but really impactful. A radio ad took a little bit more time to produce. You might need to find a voice actor. You might need to write a script. And then you want to go on the radio. But when you go on the radio, you know more people are listening to the radio than are reading the yellow pages. One step further, a television ad, you know, even more expensive to produce. You need actors. You need people who look good on screen. You need a script. You need some a cameraman. You need mic booms. There's so much that goes into making a good, you know, TV commercial. And so those were even more expensive. We've seen a couple of things with with digital, though. One is a little bit of a flattening of that expense category. So as we've continued to put the resources for development in the end user's hand, we're seeing more and more people being able to produce with a cell phone a TV ad that might run on YouTube TV or might run on TikTok or vice versa. Same thing with, you know, in print, Uh, as much as it pains me to say, print ads are becoming even less expensive because now you can get chat GPT to write the copy for you. So really the cost to produce like a clever slogan and and then run that on Google, you're really just looking at the cost of Google. But what makes this more powerful? What's the difference? It is what you said. It is more eyeballs being drawn to digital, but it is also the way that digital leverages data to improve. So we're seeing more and more people micro niche, you know, you and I, Literally, you might be designated as a French press user, and I might be designated as a cappuccino drinker. And somebody might be good enough to run different ads for us based on those really small preferences, right? That's the power of digital, is I can find the guy who likes to use French press, and I can show him a French press, and I can find the guy who likes to make cappuccino, and I can show him a cappuccino maker. That's really the power power of, of digital marketing, is tapping into that data to become better. So we talked a lot and I kind of touched on budgets a little bit. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about kind of coming up with budgets and and the crafting of a campaign from that perspective. Tell me more, tell me how you would go about doing that. Man, so we get here into uh, the tactical stuff. So take notes for those of you who are listening. Oh, I'm writing down. (laughs) So um, we have clients we run budgets for as low as $5 a day. We have done that in the past, although we don't recommend it. And we have clients who spend tens of thousands on on a weekly basis. And there's multinational companies who spend millions of dollars on digital ads. But how can you set it up? Okay, first, we got to make sure we have a, a marketing budget. We do recommend around like starting at around $1,000 a month. Now, we have a digital budget, but there's a few things that we recommend to have. One, it's a good uh, landing page. So you want to have your offer of your digital ad going to a landing page that allows you to collect data. The landing page should allow you to confirm the number of clicks but furthermore, turn those clicks into conversions through contact forms. So the landing page have to have the elements of capturing the lead, the analytics. So landing page analytics that connect both the digital ad, whatever channel it is, to your landing page. And that gives you 
like we were mentioning earlier, the data, the demographics, psychographics, whether it's location, type of device, age, all this information is provided. Uh, you can grab that data and create your targeting. And then uh, as we were talking about the collateral, the collateral can be as simple as a graphic, like a JPEG, or it can be a, a video. It could be a video, like a YouTube ad that the first six seconds have to be really good. But then after that, you can kind of, if you did the six seconds were good enough for people not to press skip, then you can give them your offer. So we can create collateral as easy as a JPEG. We can create a, a, a landing page that takes people to the offering and then the analytics that connect the integrates uh, we really never recommend running ads without analytics that is a good way to throw away money that even if it's a thousand dollars example we want to make sure we just don't have the thousand dollar budget we also have a page that can grab analytics close the offering and then collateral uh, a few examples i would say at least two or three different uh, collaterals that you can test against each other like a a b test that exactly right that absolutely makes sense one thing you mentioned you know we we're talking about a thousand dollar budget which absolutely is a good budget for ads i do think though as we scale we want to talk a little bit about percents and so i we're always a big fan of the rule of 10. so when i'm talking about a budget i think 10% of your overall of your overall budget should go towards marketing and then you should pick some percentage of that to go towards ads based on you know what else you're spending on. So like for me let's say maybe I'm a a local car wash I might want to get a billboard and spend more of my money on a billboard that's right above my car wash than I would maybe on on digital. Or you know a different example maybe I am an online retailer well in that case I want all 10% of my budget to go to digital ads because I only do business online. And so a lot of it will depend on the type of business, but it's you know for me it's about 10% of your your overall budget and then a percentage of your budget that goes towards marketing should absolutely be designated towards digital even if you're only leveraging those ads to learn and, and improve other parts of your marketing mix, right? Yeah, I wanted to say uh, on the budget setup, the part I explained is really just to test. This is the where it gets you going. You can run three campaigns, $330 each, run them for two, three weeks or a month. But the one that gives you the best results and you can even do two landing pages. So test both of them and three ads to landing pages. The ones that give you the most result will take most of the budget the following month. And once you figure out after running one, two, three months of example that you have a valid offering that will give you a, a return of investment. That means you put a thousand down, but you can make 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 on that. Then at that point, the budget is discretionary to how much you can handle. If, if you figure out the sweet spot and you can prove it through data that you have an offering, a landing page, the collateral, everything is bringing in leads that give ROI. I gotcha. So what you're saying is like when we first start an ad campaign, let's not think so much about our marketing budget big picture. Let's think about making sure we have enough money spent on the campaign to learn, which we're saying is about $1,000. Then once we've learned, let's go in and let's figure out, all right, how does this compare to the other marketing that we're doing? And let's throw budget at this because we know, all right, well, if $1,000 gives me 2000 
well, you know, the math probably checks out pretty good that 2000 is going to give me four and so on and so forth. So we can just continue to increase our marketing budget as appropriate so that we continue to grow. Is that right? Yes, sir. It comes down to a, a three word acronym that we use. I'm sorry, but I got to put you on game. All of you. We call it CPC cost per conversion, right? So this is the main KPI metric that's the most important because if we know that we can get our CPC, our cost per conversion is $40 to get one new client. 500 people saw it, 20 clicked on it, but one, and it cost us $40 to get one of those, but we know that with a, let's say a $1,000 budget at $40 CPC, I mean CPA, I say CPC, CPA, cost per acquisition, CPC is cost per click, right? So so we have a bunch of cost, bunch of clicks. We want to pay attention more to CPA, cost per acquisition. So that cost per acquisition, depending on how much it is, whether it's 40, 100, or 300, then we can determine how many new clients we want. So depending on, it costs, uh, on the example, uh, just to round some numbers out, $50 to get a person who made an appointment, clicked on the link, left their information, a warm lead. Then now a $500 budget will get you 10 of those. A $1,000 budget will get you 20 of those. So uh, if we figure out how much it costs, depending on the industry, like for example, lawyers, a cost per click might be $40, but out of 10 clicks, maybe one comes in. So it could be really $400 per cost per acquisition. But in some other industries, it might be in the pennies. Like, for example, apartment locator, insurance, those terms have a lot of competition. But if you're selling a cat scratcher, you know, like pet toys, it's more niche is the cost per acquisition will be way, way lower. And so I guess like what I'm kind of thinking about is that what we want to do is we want to do the math to better understand how profitable each of our clients are. We then want to understand our cost per acquisition. And then as we're running a campaign, you know, of course, we always want to start and always want to be shooting for a cost per acquisition lower than the lifetime value of a new client. But then our kind of our long term goal as we market, understanding the original cost per acquisition, the original client lifetime value, what we're then trying to do is get further separation between the two. So we want to, again, through that machine learning, through the A-B testing, we want to start delivering um, ads that give you a cost per acquisition down to 350. But then we also want to be targeting even better clients for you. So your client lifetime value goes up to 1,050. And so now because we're starting to get smarter and smarter and better and better about how we use our ads or an increased budget is potentially giving us some economies of scale, which absolutely happens, we're gonna start to see an increased delta between our cost per acquisition and our client lifetime value. And that's really what we're shooting for is you know, making our clients, you, more money. Exactly, and, and that's definitely the third phase is the optimization. So it's like first phase one is setting up the ads, the landing page, the analytics. Phase two is finding the cost per acquisition. And then phase three is optimizing to hopefully lower the cost per acquisition and also optimizing the offer, you know, just lowering the cost per acquisition. And that, 
that takes you know even if it do throughout the year we might have lowered it by five percent ten percent fifteen percent generally the industry gets more expensive year to year so if you were doing ads ten years ago it was probably a lot significantly cheaper than what it is to run the same ad today so that we have to keep in mind that although as an agency we're working down to lower your cpa we cannot go against a positive trend of prices going up year to year this segues me pretty nicely i i there's something i wanted to talk about which is should we run digital ads or seo seo for those who haven't listened to that pod please go check it out but it's search engine optimization it is the practice of trying to rank first on google I have this conversation a lot. Should I do digital ads or should I do SEO? Uh, the honest answer is both. That's a pretty easy answer, of course, but really you should be doing a multi, multi-pronged strategy. When we are marketing online, what we are trying to build is a marketing ecosystem that supports and feeds into itself and creates kind of a snowball effect by working together. Now, that being said, I am of the belief, and as a firm, we are largely of the belief for most of our clients and and most folks in the industry, that SEO is a more cost-effective long-term strategy. Now, that should not dissuade you from doing ads in any any way, shape, or form, but you should think of SEO and really solid organic search engine results as the foundation towards success rather than really rather than ads. Because like you mentioned, Juan Pablo, if ads are all you're doing and you don't do any SEO, the minute you stop paying for ads, you lose all of your results. Now, if you're running SEO and an ad campaign together, an ad campaign can accelerate your SEO efforts because more people are coming to you and visiting you. And so then if you ever do decide to phase out of your ads or to go primarily to SEO, the ads have been helping the SEO along the way. And so you have this thing that you can kind of always fall back on, for lack of a better word, which is just your general online reputation that you build up by providing a good website, by interacting online with your community. So digital ads or SEO, my answer is both. The way I really like to position most of my clients is let's do SEO year round, forever, always, never stop, but let's run digital ads when it situationally makes sense. Maybe you're in a slow period. Maybe the holidays are coming up. Maybe you're in a really seasonal industry. Let's run ads when we know that it's going to have an outsized impact on your business rather than just constantly running ads that aren't really, you know, let's say you are a, you know, a ski company. Chances are you don't really need to run ads in, in April for snow skiing in December. You want to run your ads for snow skiing in December, probably in May, June, July, right? So it's about being targeted and specific with our ads. Speaking of, what are some of the, we kind of talked about KPIs a little bit. What are some of the KPIs that we like to look for outside of, you know, cost per acquisition? I think we, um, are there any other big ones that we look for, I should say? Yes, yes. I think that uh, every business model has uh, different KPIs. So we always recommend finding the three that fit your instance, your strategy, your campaign. So just to focus on three, but uh, the, the most popular ones that I've seen are cost per click, cost per acquisition and cost per channel. And this example of SEO and ads is like, okay, we have a thousand dollar budget. Should we spend any money on SEO? How much we spend on ads? And uh, I would say that just to keep the example basic on rounded numbers, let's go with a $10,000 budget better, right? 
<laughs> so $10,000 budget, what are we gonna do? Spend it on ads or SEO? And I would say that like, if you're just getting started, ads will give you the most impact. It will get it will get us click, you set up the right thing, the landing page, the offer, the analytics. Within a month, we can be having for sure clicks. $10,000 budget will give us clicks, for sure. How many conversions? We gotta find out. We will run it and find out how much, how many conversions, and that would tell us how much uh, cost per acquisition. But the SEO, it's like, it's a, a snowball effect, we call it. So SEO will not give us results today, but if we start allocating a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars the first year, for six months or a year on SEO, while we're running 7,000, 8,000 in ads, but we're putting aside some SEO, eventually when we start seeing signs of that return of investment from SEO, it's gonna come a point where the cost per acquisition on the SEO side will be a lot lower based on our budget than the cost of ads. It just takes a long time. So ads will give you immediate result or almost immediate and then SEO does take uh, uh, six months plus. So I would say that um, if you're doing omni-channel, multiple channels, do measure how much you're getting a return of investment investment per channel. And that will determine how would you split a $10,000 budget between SEO and ads. And it would depend on which one it's is performing better at the time, but not keeping in mind to keeping some budget aside for seasonal or just for the snowball effect of SEO. I think that makes a ton of sense. You know, one that you we've kind of alluded to, but that I want to mention more specifically is just pay attention to your general profit margin. I know that that sounds really simplistic, but so often, you know, we can have a great CPA, we can have all these great other numbers, or they could be bad and we may not know why somehow our profit's still going up. Like it's actually not a, a an unheard of scenario for me where your cost per acquisition on an ad campaign is super duper high. Um, but somehow you outside of your ad, you were doing more business and you were more profitable anyway. Why does that happen? Well, because all advertising doesn't necessarily have a direct line to success. It is totally likely that people will look at your ad three or four times, never click on it, never even engage with your advertisement, but then become a client. And so uh, we see a lot of times these kind of these halo effects of the marketing that we do where the direct impact is measurable, but the indirect impact is really hard to measure. And so that's why we want to look at things like profit margin or just overall volume as well. One downside that I kind of like to mention with ads, especially as we talk about the KPIs that we're monitoring and we get into things like cost per acquisition, is that ad campaigns oftentimes require some sort of staff to manage them. They do tend to generate a lot of leads. And so one one thing that can really impact a successful ad campaign is, you know, how good is the person replying to those advertisements? How good is the person picking up the phone? You know, we've run hugely successful ad campaigns for folks and then they've called us at the end of the month and they've said, we didn't see anybody. And we said, we sent you a hundred people. And they said, I, what do you mean? And we say, no, what do you mean? <laughs> and then we go and we look at all the people we sent and I say, you got this person? Yeah, we did. And I say, oh, did, did Susie call them? Susie, did you call them? No, I never called them. Oh, okay. So it is important, especially if we're going to be measuring that we understand what part of the process is impacting our success and that ads do not start and end with the advertisement. They start with the advertisement. They end with a successful conversion. And 
successfully converting somebody oftentimes does take the human touch. Yes, sir. Man, that's that's a big point. I want to reiterate on that because when people ask me that they want to run ads, my first two questions is, do you have a sales team? And my second question is, do you have a CRM? Because with without those two, we stopped running ads, honestly, uh, a while back uh, from our experience. You know, like I said, running the ad, you have to have the, the landing page and the analytics. That's just to run the ads ecosystem. But the ads, like you're saying, without a sales team to follow up and a CRM to really track the success of the ad and like tangibly be able to determine the return of investment from the ad and confirm it on the CRM that uh, this business closed 12 new dentist clients or uh, 10 new CPA clients that came from the ad campaign. On the ads, the analytics, it, tell us, it tells us the data that, yeah, they clicked and they set up an appointment. But on the CRM, it confirms that the same lead came through closed and it's, it's, it in turn is working for this business, which... Uh, then would allow them to even increase budgets the following month and have more more business come in because it's been proven. But uh, the sales team and CRM are a must. I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think before you engage in any type of online advertising, in particular digital ads, you can get away with it a little bit with SEO because it'll it ramps you up some running a digital ad campaign is kind of like being thrown into the fire. So you're going to start getting leads and you're going to start getting leads quickly. So please make sure you have the infrastructure in place to, to field those leads before you, you know, run that campaign, you're kind of going to be burning money. Um, and so it is really important that infrastructure there. I wanted to talk just a little bit about some of the different channels and how some of those, you know, how we make message meet medium. And then I know you have something that you want to wrap up with that um, I think is really important. So what are the different channels for ads? You know, I've already hit on this a little bit, but basically every single social media platform will have their own advertising model. Um, social media platforms, they're basically just attention hogs. They're all run on an advertisement model, save maybe what Elon Musk is trying to do with X where he wants people to pay for that. But for the most part, if you're on if you're on social media, you're the product and you're being sold to advertising agencies. So every single channel will have its own, you know, its own advertising system. What we think about is what kind of business are you in? So, you know, we work with a lot of physicians. If you are, say, a you know, I'll, I'll use an orthopedic surgeon as an example. Um, you don't probably want to put videos of you doing surgery on TikTok as an advertisement. No matter what you do, surgery looks pretty ugly. And so we don't really necessarily want to be putting that on a, you know, um, a visual medium. Now, that being said, if you're a surgeon and you want to get some new patients, it would make a ton of sense to run a Google AdWords campaign on some of the symptoms or some of the ailments that you treat. Another example of this staying in healthcare, if you're an esthetician, you know, you can have there's some benefit to running an ad on, you know, Botox for migraines. But really, where you're going to see a lot of success is before and after photos or images that kind of demonstrate the work that you do. You can't always do before and after photos, depending on the, the channel. So we have to be careful there. But that is such a visual medium. It, of course, makes sense to have a visual advertisement. And so really think about your business. What is what type of advertisement makes the most sense for your business? Then 
go find the channel that most successfully promotes that type of advertisement, right? And so this is one of the reasons why like Twitter, for example, was the text platform for such a long time. That's why you saw so many news articles and journalists kind of congregating there. That's because that was the place for the written word. Whereas Instagram, you see so many artists, you see so many people who, you know, that's a great place to, um, it's a visual medium, you know, put simply, it's a great place to, if you are in a visual business or your business sells best visually, advertise there. And so that's really where we're thinking about, all right, what kind of business do you do? What kind of message do your prospects, do your patients want to see? Let's go find the, you know, the platform that best supports that. And then let's create marketing that meets that platform, meets our business and will drive consumers through our doors. All right. Now, Speaking of messaging, of medium, of understanding our audience, you know, we know who our core audience is. We know what our core niche is. Juan Pablo, how do we run these ads in Spanish? How do we reach the Spanish community, the Spanish user who is, you know, so powerful in today's economy? Man, that's the beauty of digital ads that as uh, you were saying that every social media channels were made for marketers, not for users. They just, they make the users feel like it was made for them. But the way these companies make money, Google, 98% of their revenue comes from ads. Facebook makes their money from ads, although they're getting into products. Anyways, all of them make this money from ads. The beautiful thing about all these channels, the data that people provide in exchange for the entertainment has all types of demographic and psychographic data. So if I really want to run an ad in Spanish on the ads manager, because there's a Google ads manager, there's a Facebook ads manager, there's a Hulu ads manager, XYZ ads manager, you can go there and segment to uh, run your ads in Spanish and you would design your collateral in, in the Spanish language, of course. Uh, so for example, we run Google ads in Spanish that only run to people who have their um, Google Chrome or, or their Google profile set up to Spanish. Also, YouTube ads that only go to people who are listening to content in Spanish. Right. So they could be you could run the ad here in Houston and you will have two neighbors, one that will not get the ad at all. And the other one that would hear the ad in Spanish, the, the Google results would come in Spanish. So we say, again, it's, uh, if you do serve the Hispanic demographic, start testing it out with 10, 20, 30 percent of your ads budget. And if you do have a good hit and your cost per acquisition is cheaper, because usually it is both on SEO and ads, the cost per acquisition is cheaper to run these ads in Spanish. And you even have higher conversions if your messaging is right. Then you can start designating a significant amount of your budget and collateral creation. To the Spanish offering. We have examples of this and uh, some people have, uh, we have some clients that have actually turned to only run in Spanish only. One thing I wanted to make sure everybody understood from that it is hugely important that when we do that, we are going ahead and segregating by language. But what I, I want to make sure we understand is you don't, you can, but you shouldn't just translate your English copy or your English advertisement into Spanish. Um, these cultures, they are, they are unique. 
English speakers and, and, and native Spanish speakers are unique. They share more similarities than differences, to be sure. Uh, we're more alike than we are different, but we are different. And so it's you have to take the time to say, all right, I'm running an advertisement in Spanish, but what what motivates my my audience in Spanish and how is that different from what motivates my my English audience? And you need to communicate to them. Uh so, 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 so much of this is about working backwards from your audience. Figure out who your audience is, who is your customer, and then work backwards so that we can understand how we reach them. And that's, you know, that's 95% of what we do every day, whether it's in English, Spanish, on on Facebook or, or wherever. Before we kind of move on from ads, was there anything else that you really wanted to hit on or that you wanted to make sure we mention about digital advertisements? Yeah. Uh, so this is a lesson we learned from, again, from Pepsi and Ford and uh, some of the companies that have been able to really capture the hearts and the imaginations of the Hispanic community. And that is that uh, whether they're making a video commercial, a word, they just said word advertising or a pictographic advert, they will be inclusive to the community. So when you look at the video, it's a Hispanic actor with a Hispanic wife and his family values. And when you hear the, uh, the ad, when you read an ad that just has words, they they are not just trying to translate like the word okay in Spanish, they would actually find the word that would really translate to that culture, whether it's Mexican culture, or Argentinian culture, Colombian culture, like what is the word for okay? or love to this culture and they would actually, so it's not just translating, but transcreating, maintaining the, the, the values of your audience. Uh, and it's actually fun to do this. It's, it's really fun. If, you, if this community brings you profits, then your marketing team will have fun communicating to that audience why, this, why they're valued, why they're considering how we build impact. Uh, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, Pepsi has done that in the past two years. Uh, we saw a commercial, we saw Juntos Crecemos, the impact in the communities. Like they're really, it's not just about translating, they're really making an impact to a community that loves to drink Pepsi. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, you mentioned like Pepsi and Ford and I, I'm, I'm immediately thinking like, what is it, what have they done that's impactful? And immediately it's representation. It's like, it's not any, I mean, sure, they're doing more than that. But if like the, the top line thing is we're representing your culture and selling to you or actually taking the time to consider you, you know, I don't, you, it, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me if, you know, I was being sold Coca-Cola on like the history of Germany. You know, I know that's like a little bit abstract, but like, I don't really care about German culture, <laughs> you know, and so why would you use that to sell me a Coke, right? Same thing, you know, sell me a Coke based on my own history, on my past, on, on my heritage um, and represent me. Let me see myself in the people consuming your products. It makes such a big difference. And you know, one thing that's key here is that on the back end of your supplier side, you also go back to that community and employ the people who come from there to represent your company to them because they have the inside context. And uh, Pepsi showed that when they hire us to do these bilingual marketing websites, you know, it, not, not just on the front end of like, we're serving this community, we're actually gonna hire photographers, videographers, web developers from the community to serve, to serve these restaurants that serve Hispanic. Well, and, and you know, when we meet with 
the executives running that program, those are those are people who have, you know, they're bilingual. They're not putting me in charge of that program, right? They're putting you in charge of that program. And that does make all the difference in the world. You know, and I, I kind of wanted to parrot that. I talked to a, a client of ours just the other day and he mentioned the same thing. And I thought it was so astute. He just said, you know, this is what my community is. This is where this is where my business is located. And so I need to have this because it's going to help me hire and it's going to help me find new consumers, right? It's, it's going to help me be a part of my community. Now, he didn't say those exact words, but that's exactly what he means is he has a business in a community. And so instead of trying to be, you know, counter to that community, he's going to be a part of that community by helping to reach out to them, helping to let, you know, be a part of the employment there, also be a part of, you know, providing good food to a community. And that to me is, that's awesome. And I love the way you're thinking about it. It's both sides. It's not just one thing. It's not cynical. It's earnest. And that, and being earnest about it makes all the difference in the world. Yes, sir. And I would just say that the same thing when running your ads, you know, because this is straight to true your brand, know who you're targeting to and why you're targeting to them. Be earnest and people would be attracted to your brand and, then maybe on the part two, we'll talk about like retargeting and how all of this feeds into a long-term uh, offer customer life value to for years to come. Yep, I, I agree. And I, I would, you know, kind of to wrap up this idea of being genuine, you know, I, I have, we have salespeople come to us all the time and say, hey, somebody asked me this question, what do I say? And you know what the answer always is? Just be honest. It really is. I don't know what to do here. What do I say to him? Tell him you don't know. It's okay. People really respond to being genuine. If you can be genuine, people know, people pick up on it and they respond to it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's, uh, that's some of the best marketing that has uh, come out. Actually, the culture that it, that culture, it's, it's shaped by some advertisements that have been just honest and, and people people recognize real, you know, uh, and um, yeah, you can run a budget as slow, you can run a video camera, or you can grab stock footage, it's not really hard. If you have any issues, do reach out to us or uh, people in your community who are serving and I'm pretty sure you can put an ads budget together bilingual. Absolutely, I, I, I would agree. Do reach out to us. Um, please do like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do reach out to us. You can visit us at alphacomarketing.com. We would absolutely love to have a conversation about your digital ad campaign, how we can help you come up with the budget, how we can help you find the right channel or how we can help you craft the right message for your audience. Um, we do this all day, every day and would certainly love to to help you you know execute on that as well now that being said juan pablo we tend to sign off with what pop culture are you engaging with that is relevant to marketing i ask this question at the end of every podcast um we did that when we started we talked so much about the super bowl that i'm not going to ask that question i am going to ask you uh what's the coolest thing going on in your personal life right now man what um did you have a good Valentine's? Whatever you wanna you wanna talk about, just tell me what's what fun is going on in your world. <laughs> oh man, my uh, my kids has been really fun. Uh, I have four kids now, and for how example, old is your youngest now? It's like one month, two months, two two old. three months. Yeah, yeah, she will be oh, three months. Man. Okay, time time flies. Wow. Yes, and um, but yesterday my uh, three year old told me Happy Valentine's, that and. It was the cutest. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like too, I don't think I've ever heard a kid call it Valentine's, but something about Valentine's is even better. 
Valentine's is like happy Valentine's is honestly the best thing you can hear. Uh, that's amazing. And then uh, I've been I've been working out with my 13 year old now for about four or five months consistently and seeing him develop and me feeling much better. Uh, so I've been really enjoying being a father lately, and I'm still young enough to play around. Cool, that's awesome to hear. Uh, I'm not doing anything like that. I haven't done anything with fatherhood, though. I will say just about every single person I know is either having their first, second or third, third baby right now. And I'm, I'm left out a little bit in the cold. Um, but my wife and I, who are, are childless, we were, we got to go to a concert last night. So we went to see a concert, um, had a really nice time for, for Valentine's day, um, seeing a concert, which was amazing. And otherwise we're just really enjoying life while we we can as we're planning to have kids one day soon as well so trying to get in all the huh, all the childless stuff while we still can <laughs> i think i feel like it's going to be harder to go to a concert on valentine's day once we have kids my sell to my wife is that uh, we're gonna have have those times uh in our like late 40s or mid 40s but so we're we we trade it in now for later. <laughs> we just we just gotta make sure we feel good when we get there. Yep, that's right. I'm, <laughs> I yeah we uh we're staring down the barrel of of retiring before our kids graduate high school. So, <laughs> you know, we're, it's a race. It's gonna be a race. Who gets to? Who's out of the house? Do we retire first or do y'all leave the house? Um, anyway, well, Pablo, this has been excellent. Um, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um. I don't have anything to add. I already did my sign off. So this has been Gran and Juan Pablo in Transmission. Talk to you soon, guys. Mm-hmm.